0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about Monty Python's Flying Circus and my gay identity awakening. Graham Chapman... Came out in 1972. 1972. As soon as I learned that piece of information, and I'm not quite certain when I exactly found this out, my memory is a bit inconsistent on this point, I knew that I was indeed gay, mostly because of his conviction and how it resounded within me. I knew I was gay too. I was already gay, but did not quite understand what being gay was or meant, although I was already well on my way to being unmistakably gay. And had gay experiences as a boy and adolescent. I really did think that somehow I was going to be attracted to girls and that this was just something I was not going to accept. I didn't even consider it a stage I was going through. Even though I had mad crushes on boys all through school and high school, although I denied my identity for quite some time, Graham Chapman was my strongest role model, especially since I already knew who he was. Having visited Ireland and the UK and had seen Python before it was ever aired on American TV and loved it. We had Irish relatives who bitterly despised the BBC comedy program. We saw it on the sly when our parents went out for dinner and we were left on our own. I instantly fell in love with it. Outrageously funny, silly, good natured, and the smartest comedy I ever saw. It resounded to the bone and the schoolboy within me. Chapman was an authority figure to me. He was ingeniously funny. He was the second funniest man in drag I ever saw. He was not a tragic figure, as virtually all gay people were portrayed in all media in America. He was not going to deservedly die on screen. He was a forceful, commanding presence. I knew it was good to be gay because of the force of his conviction, although it was quite a few years later when I asserted what he instilled in me. All that aside, you would never get six men in drag on American TV. Maybe Harvey Corman and a few other people, but Python had the silliest, funniest guys in the world acting in drag, not just making obvious jokes. The whole thing was funny, and they were ingenious about it. I know they claimed that they did the drag parts because they couldn't afford to pay for actresses, but they were hilarious. Broad and specific, they were inspiring. I can't even tell you how much funnier they are on their records if you aren't a fan, or even if you are and never heard the records. I listened to them over and over and over and over again, partly to learn how to fake a British accent, and mostly because they were utterly brilliant and hysterically funny and exhilarating. I still laugh out loud every time I see Graham Chapman as part of the most awful family in Britain. Comes out in terrible makeup, smeared lipstick, a a fright wig, virtually miniskirt, high heels, and uh, Eric Idle as uh, Mrs. Garibaldi asks him when he's coming back, and he defiantly stands there and he says three (laughs) a.m. I think I think I fell out of my seat laughing the first time I saw that, and I I just could not appreciate or love it any anymore. But then there's also sketches where he's in a, in a talk show, and he says, I'd like to answer this question, if I may, in two ways. Firstly, in my normal voice, and then in a kind of silly, high-pitched whine. He is, of course, portraying the Minister for Home Affairs, who is wearing a striking organza dress in pink tulle with matching pearls and a diamante collar necklace. The shoes are in brushed pigskin with gold clasps by Maxwell of Bond Street. The hair is by Roger. And the whole ensemble is crowned by a spectacular display of Christmas orchids. <laughs> of course. And then, of course, he is Ron Bibbentrop, and he is Mrs. Conclusion in the sketch where John Cleese as Mrs. Premise and he get into a, a philosophical argument about uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. And, of course, he's Mr. Neutron, who uh, – the most dangerous man in the world tells Terry Jones as Mrs. S-C-U-M, who tells him – That he can call her Mrs. S, and he replies by saying, I prefer to call you Mrs. S-C-U-M, Mrs. S-C-U-M. And he doesn't like spam, not to mention King Arthur and Brian. But nobody, and I mean nobody, will ever come close to Terry Jones in drag. The funniest man to ever put on women's clothing, ever. Nobody will ever, ever, ever come close. Even Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie is far behind Terry Jones, and that was an amazing performance in every sense. Terry Jones. Drag queens are a different breed, but none of them could hold a candle to the comedy genius of Terry Jones in drag. He was the spam waitress. He was Mrs. Krupp Pinnett in the new cooker sketch. And he was El Mystico and Janet. And he was the bishop. There is, of course, the undeniable genius of John Cleese, or Cleese, and several butcher's aprons, especially with his work after Python in Faulty Towers, which is my favorite sitcom of all time, and A Fish Called Wanda, and The Holy Grail at al. He was the master of so much comedy, especially his physical presence, archaeology today, the Ministry of Silly Walks, the Dead Parrot Sketch. Eric the Halfbeat, and it goes on and on. And you can actually see where he really was inspired by Charlie Chase. Their physical resemblance and their their both physicality. And, of course, my hero, Michael Palin, the Lumberjack, the Spanish Inquisition, Wizzo Butter. Hello, good evening, and welcome to fill in the blank. Also, it's, he it was Arthur Puty. He was Mr. Anchovy, who was a chartered accountant who wanted to be a lion tamer. He was also Herbert Anchovy, the host of Blackmail. He was in the Dead Parrot sketch. He was in the Cheese Shop. And the Silly Party. Of course, Eric Idle with his very wordy sketches and Terry Gilliam's animations and occasional appearances on camera, uh, I love them all. I truly cannot adequately express my love, admiration, and gratitude to the members of Monty Python's Flying Circus for that period of time in my life. It literally made my adolescence. I never laughed and giggled at anything so smartly funny while being simultaneously bawdy. At that point in my life, it was an illuminating experience. And it happened. And it helped me grapple with my sexual identity. What more can you ask of any comedy? Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kiddies say, peace out. Thank you.